0: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's uh, the Stay Off My Operating Table podcast with Dr. Philip Ovedia. This is our last podcast of 2022, although I realize you're probably listening to it somewhere in the third or fourth week of January 2023. I'm going to assume the world has not ended. Um, we're <laughs> joined today uh, by someone whose name I had trouble pronouncing, but whose background absolutely I'm so excited to have this conversation. I don't want to steal your thunder, Dr. Obedia, um, but we are joined today by Dr. Efrat Lamandre And Phil, with that, tell us why you invited her and let's get this conversation going because I'm really looking forward to talking with her.
1: Yeah, so uh, Dr. E, as uh, we have been instructed to go with, uh, and I you know, just uh, came across each other on the magic of those interwebs. And uh, like you, Jack, I was uh, fascinated by her background and her story. And I think in a lot of ways parallels, uh, you know, some of my journey as well. Uh, so very uh, interested to get into this with her. Uh, I'm going to let her give us her background and her story about how she got to where she is today today. Um, but, uh, she's another, uh, another New Yorker, which was something that, uh,
2: <laughs> I think uh, appealed to me as well. <laughs> so, uh, welcome. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here. I appreciate it. Do so, oh, you want me to tell my story? I, I, Why don't you I read, with... I, read
0: I read a little bit about you and Uh-oh. when I read that you professionally started your life as a nurse practitioner. Mm. I went woohoo. Um <laughs> I'm well, and, and there's all kinds of reasons for that. But knowing where you started and and understanding where you're at, I knew that was going to be a great story. So tell us oh, the story.
2: I appreciate okay, I'll tell you a story. And I have a feeling that um Dr. Abadia, you are uh, in a similar place. So basically, I do think that anyone who ends up on this side of the vortex in the functional medicine world has either hit a health wall themselves or someone that they love has hit a health wall. And yes, I was trained as a nurse practitioner, a family nurse practitioner, and I have a great primary care practice here in Staten Island. Um, primary care, adults, pediatric, we serve over 20,000 patients and we do the conventional thing. and. My wife got sick a while ago. We can get into that a bit. I'll just give the macro. And conventional, she's a medicine, I'm a medicine, our friends are a medicine. And conventional medicine really just offered us high dose steroids. And we just kind of felt that maybe there's something more. And this is like a million years ago before the interweb is what it is. So someone said, Hey, why don't you try functional medicine? We're like, okay, it's not gonna work, but like whatever, we have nothing to lose. And this gentleman had the audacity to suggest that what she has going on has to do with her nutrition. <laughs> <Just thinking. laughs> and so, and mind you, right, we are you know relatively thin women. I'm not saying this because of body shaming issues, just pain to paint a picture. We thought we were eating really well. We we're both athletic. So the concept that now our nutrition is off was really just wild, let alone having to do with autoimmunity, just insane. But we tried it because we had nothing to lose and there's no side effects in trying it. So we did it. And um, I did it as a supportive wife because there was nothing wrong with me, of course. So <laughs> her autoimmunity reversed and I found out how crappy I was feeling before and I didn't even know um, as my joint pain went away and like my stomach stopped hurting all the time, which I thought was normal. Isn't so that then amazing? I was like, it's crazy.
0: The amount of, of physical discomfort that we just get...
2: Totally to get used,
0: used
2: to, to get used to it. Yeah. I hear it all the time from my patients. Like, I didn't even know I had brain fog, people will tell me. So I brought it back to the practice, the primary care practice, and I kind of dabbled in it. But I think you know that once you open up this can of worms, that's it. It's over. So you take another class and another class and another class. And before you know it, you're like, I cannot practice this way anymore. It's not enough. Mm. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's just not enough. Um and so the new method was born and that's why, um, the, you know, if anyone's on social, the new methods filled with a K because you always knew there was a better way. There's like something in the back of your head that says there's something else going on. So that's where okay. we're
0: at. I'm going to jump in here real quick for our listeners. Dr. E has a website and we normally talk about this at the end of the show, but her website is called the new method, new K N E W. So the new method.com. Um, and uh, you, you'll, There'll be more information at the end of the show. So sure. sorry. So you know, I, I would love to hear. Sorry, Phil, but I'm the resident idiot, so I get to ask <laughs> the questions. I would love to hear, um without without violating any confidentiality about your wife's um, autoimmune issues, um, how conventional medicine viewed it. And how you viewed it until you started seeing it differently and and treatments that that actually made the difference. Just go into some detail. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And this is actually relevant to anyone suffering from autoimmunity, honestly. Um <clears throat> forgive my allergies. So she initially, when I met her, she had something called PMLE, polymorphous light eruption, which basically means she was allergic to the sun. So oh. When I speak on stage, I say, when I met my wife, she was a vampire. So so talk about accommodating. We just assumed that was life. And we planned our day after four. And if we had to be out on the day, we made sure to be not on the sunny side of the street. And, you know, you do what you have to do. Like many of your listeners, when you get that first diagnosis, you accommodate like, this is going to be fine. First medication, it's going to be fine, right? You truck through it. And then, um, and when I met her, that was it. That was just like, no, it obviously took her many prior to meeting me many years before she was correctly diagnosed. Cause she had an atypical form. Um, and she had to change. She used to be a division one softball coach nationally known. She had to change her career because she had to get out of the sun. Like it was really uh, affected her life completely. Um, so a few years later, she develops a second autoimmune, which we did not realize why when you get one, you get more. And the reason is because until you fix the root cause, you're just going to keep getting more issues. But we didn't know that her second issue was psoriasis, but her psoriasis was so severe that her feet would bleed when she would walk. She couldn't like open cans because it was like her hands couldn't handle it. Yeah, it was a mess. And that's what finally drove us to look for answers, right? Because it's always that one thing that you just can't handle anymore. So for PMLE, there's not much to do. If you have a flare-up, you just have to like be in a dark room until it goes away and it's painful. And for psoriasis, it's basically steroids at the time and now there's immunologics. But they don't solve the problem, right? They just... It's just Treat the mandate. symptoms. Yeah. So... This gentleman at the time did these crazy blood work. We never heard of IgG, IgA. We never heard of this nonsense, right? And of course, I hope everybody knows I'm being sarcastic. It's not nonsense at all. So he did this testing and my wife was vegan at the time. And so again, back then, this is before Impossible Burgers and Beyond Burgers. It was corn and soy if you were vegan. Mm-hmm. That's, that was life. So corn and soy came up so high in her lab work. And we removed corn, soy, gluten, dairy, and just everything went away. It just went away. It <laughs> was really that simple. <laughs> Isn't it it
1: so you know, look, I wanna go back to something you said. Uh, you know, you mentioned in your own story, like you didn't realize how bad you felt. And uh, you know, I I say the same. Uh, You know, I was just kind of dealing with life and I was a busy heart surgeon and lo and behold, when I changed what I ate and, you know, I lost a hundred pounds and I realized, you know, that you're supposed to feel much better than most of (laughs) us do. Uh, But I wanted to get your perspective as a practitioner, uh, you know, that we accept this for our patients. Uh, largely when patients come in complaining of this and that, Mm -hmm. you know, the pains and the aches and the tiredness. And we just say, well, that's just part of, you know, getting older. That's just normal. Uh, And I'd love to hear your perspective on, you know, kind of how your attitude towards the patient's problems have changed as you realized, as you were able to overcome your own problems that you didn't even realize you had to start with.
2: Yeah. So this is the mea culpa moment. Um <laughs> and and again, and this is true for anyone, and I'm sure you as well, you're trained in conventional medicine to find a diagnosis and then <laughs> treat a diagnosis. And everyone who's doing that is well-meaning. I mean, everyone went to school, everyone wants to help people. There's no malice. I know there's kind of this rhetoric of like the evil doctor that that that's not what the case. We're all we've been trained a certain way, and we're and 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 if there's no diagnosis, then there's nothing wrong with you. We can't help you. Mm. And that's because the toolbox we're given, med school, NP school, PA school, is a toolbox that is limited. Find the problem, treat the problem, you know, probably pharmacologically or or, a procedure. But if there's no problem to be found, your symptoms don't count. If the symptoms don't point to a lab or a Mm. finding, there's nothing we could do for your symptoms. Right? So... So I was guilty of that. And how many women and men came to my, and I did the annuals and their cholesterol is fine. They're, diabetic, they're not diabetic. I'll see you next year. But, but E, yeah, I'm tired, but E, yeah, I have joint pain, but okay, let me run like an autoimmune panel. Oh, it's negative, but I don't feel, okay, go die, go home, diet, exercise. I don't know what to tell you. And I really felt whole with my practice. I had no idea what a disservice I was doing um, until I realized what I realized now is that the symptoms count. The symptoms mean that something is wrong. Our labs may not know it yet, but something is cooking. So I tell my patients, it's like like diabetes, pre-diabetes. If I do a finger stick today and I'm diabetic, does that mean that last year when I wasn't diabetic, I wasn't cooking diabetes? Of course I was cooking pre-diabetes. I didn't get it overnight. Same is true for autoimmunity. There's a world of, I don't think I invented this term, but I haven't heard it used, pre-autoimmunity. Where you feel like, or I mean, your joint pain or your skin is off, or things are just off. You're exhausted, but when you go to rheumatology, there's no markers yet. But the symptoms count, and so when I work with my patients, we actually quantify the symptoms. I use the software that quantifies the symptoms, and then we use those symptoms to track to make sure that interventions are improving because I have nothing else to track because their labs are fine. Mm. So that is the biggest change, like understanding the symptoms means something's is cooking. Let's get ahead of it let's not wait for it to become a disease.
0: Is there a, a more common than not set of symptoms that people show up in your office with?
2: Yes, you're um,
0: in a you're you're a general practitioner. So you're the front line of defense for for most folks, right?
2: Yes. Well, I would say the people who show up with the new method, are already have already been through their general their pcp their gyn their cardiologist the rheumatologist and then they show up at the new method hmm. um and that, so at the new method the common denominator is fatigue so even if they're able to sleep the fatigue that someone sneezed god bless you if you
0: sneezed <laughs> my wife is my wife is sitting across the the office and god
2: office. bless you wife
0: god bless you. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love it when she sits in and listens live because I don't have to say, "Oh my god, you should have heard this person." <laughs> then I have to sit and wait for her to listen to us so we can talk about it. So oh, I, I'm I'm,
2: it glad, I'm glad you're time. here.
0: <laughs> all right. Sorry. Common common symptoms.
2: All good. All good. So so fatigue, um, even if they're sleeping a lot, fatigue is an issue. Insomnia. Um, people are having a really hard time sleeping. Um, joint pain. And belly pain, like, you know, I'm bloated. I, you know, so this, this is like the main constellation, everything hurts. I'm tired all the time. I'm bloated all the time and brain fog. I would say, I mean, that's like the crux of it. And then we have like some differentiators. Uh, That's, that's, that's our starting point.
1: Wow. And how long do you, uh, have people typically been experiencing these symptoms before they get to you?
2: So most patients are coming in around their late 40s and 50s. They it's usually between 15 20 years because what generally happens is right you know, at first it's it's mild and in your 30 generally speaking in your 30s maybe early 40s you're busy raising kids or starting a career so it really takes a back burner. And you push through, you also have more resiliency to push through when you're younger. Cortisol levels are better, you know, things are, your your stomach can handle things a little more, you still have a few more digestive enzymes. So things are not really like falling apart yet. They're there, but other things are a priority. Then 40s and 50s, sometimes 60s, you know, kids are a little bit older, your career is kind of on a path and, and the symptoms are getting worse. By this point, you've had health insurance for a while, you've been to a few doctors. And everyone tells you you're fine. Or have that's some or, or I have I'll
0: a, bet they put you on antidepressants of some kind.
2: Antidepressants. A lot of people are antidepressants. Or yes, you have diabetes. I put you on medication for diabetes and blood pressure. What do you expect? I mean, of course you're not going to feel optimal. So 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 there's a group that's you're fine. There's the group that you're crazy. Here's some antidepressants. Mm-hmm. There's the group that's just completely like, it's just your A's, it's your hormones, there's nothing that we can help you. And then there's the group that's like, well, since you have this disease and we put you on medications, like there's not much more we could do for you. You know, let's just monitor your A1C. And again, I really don't think anyone has an evil intent. I really want to say that. I just, I just, I really think that's the models, how the model is built. And I think, um, Doc, I think you coming from your background, I mean, I'm really curious to hear how you got to this because I'm sure that you know the model is well-meaning. There's no one going to med school to be mean.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you know, and I guess maybe before I'll get into that, I do want to, you know, I'll throw this at you, you know, that uh, E... You know, we've had these, uh, you know, billions of dollars that the pharmaceutical industry has spent. Uh, We've had, you know, this, uh, you know, this model of allopathic medicine that has been in place, you know, since essentially the early 1900s. Uh, and, you know, we've, we, we, we do all these great things, you know, we do open heart surgery and we save people's lives all the day, all, you know, every day. Uh, so how is it that, you know, you have figured out, uh, how to, uh, crack all these mysteries that, you know, no one else can solve. Uh, you must be, you know, blowing smoke up our butts, quite frankly, and selling snake oil, right?
2: Yeah. Some a quack. I'm a total crack. So, I mean, it's a it's a really good question that you're asking, and I think this is precisely why I love that I am both conventional and functional, because there is a time and a place for both. Right? Um, if you have an infection, you bet your butt, I'm taking antibiotics. I'll be the first to prescribe it. I'll be the first to take it. If I have a pneumonia, if I have a cellulitis. I am so grateful for conventional medicine for that. If I need chemo, I'm so grateful. If I need open heart surgery, I'm so grateful for all of it. Um, so I think where allopathic medicine excels also is acute medicine for sure. Um it, it's it's necessary. And um, I would know the first thing how to do open heart surgery or any, you know, or anything on that level. And it there is a place for it. Um but what I'm saying doesn't undermine it. In fact, it strengthens it, right? How could we get to outside of structural issues? A lot of heart disease has to do with lifestyle. So how awesome would it be if they never got to your table? If they didn't need to be stented, if they didn't need to be cast, because we took the time to do lifestyle. And by the way, you know, if you read any pharmacological guidelines, the first line is always recommend dietary lifestyle modifications first. It's like one sentence and we are designed to skip it and then go and then prescribe this and then prescribe this and then prescribe this. But it's always there. The dietary lifestyle modification piece is part of every single evidence-based practice guideline. It's just we skip it because <laughs> the system doesn't allow time for it.
0: <laughs> I don't I'm sorry but just the the irony here that the very first thing it is, is diet and lifestyle yeah.
2: yeah you'll see the algorithm right
0: not not item 13 on a list oh. of 22 but item one on every oh, single wait. friggin list
2: every single thing. cholesterol yes modification for us diabetes it's it's just blood just my, right in fact in our charting do we not have to also write that in our charting that we discussed the Mediterranean diet or the dash diet whatever that we we have to put it in our charts that we actually discussed it and we suggested we should hand out so it's all there. So I haven't discovered anything new. I'm just spending time on it. I'm spending time on part one to avoid two and three or to taper down two and three. So it's actually, in my opinion, it's quite the opposite. And I know that's not, it's opposite of crackery or snickerel. First of all, I didn't sell you anything. Um, but second of all, it's actually conventional medicine done right. That's what it is.
1: No, I mean... Right? Yeah, definitely. And and you can go all the way back to Hippocrates. It's actually, you know, kind of the first line in the Hippocratic Oath is, you know, that uh, you know, diet, uh it should be the focus of our is, intervention.
0: That, is, is that the let food be your medicine and medicine your food? Is that essentially,
1: yeah. That that's sort of uh a, a yeah. uh, translation of uh you know the Hippocratic Oath. And uh so yeah, it's very interesting that then when you know, people like you and I are out here talking about diet and lifestyle and we get labeled quacks, even quacks. though, as you said, it's All in, the time. in every guideline and it's improving <laughs> people.
2: Yeah. And it's helping people. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's really funny. You know, it's one of the reasons I am often approached by, uh, I don't know if you've seen me on TikTok. I have a bit of a following there. I'm approached a lot for sponsors. Um And I've said no so far. I don't want to say I'll always say no because who knows in the future. But I've said no so far because I really am trying to distance myself from this concept of like, take this and you will be okay. Sure, I sell supplements and they're customized depending on what my patients need. But I want to get out of this mindset of like, there is this magic pill, there is this magic cure. In fact, when I work with my patients, I'm like, this is going to be hard. Are you sure you want to do this? (laughs) Like, I almost talked them out of it. It's not going to be easy. Yeah. I'm going to give you a lot of support, but it's not going to be easy. So, uh, you know, it's, it's anything, but as I'm sure, you know,
0: I I went through this uh, 17 years ago and uh, I was blessed to have a functional medicine doctor and he, you know, we went, we spent 90 minutes working through his intake uh, interview and he didn't tell me what I had. I'd been trained, you know, at that point. What have I got, Doc? Yep. And he just—he's very skillful at, at at circumnavigating those kinds of questions because, in his model of health, you don't got something. You've you 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 are your health is out of balance. His his goal is to figure out what is your body saying that it needs to help it. And so I just okay, well, whatever. And uh, my next question was, well, how long is it going to take? And I remember, <laughs> I remember this very clearly. He said, "Well, I had severe adrenal fatigue. I was about that far from dropping dead." Um, he said, "Well, you didn't get in this overnight, and you're not going to get out of it, get out of it overnight." And I was it? really grateful that he said that because he set me up for for understanding. This lifestyle change doesn't create immediate results, but you will see results. And it took me about, I know it, it took about eight months before I, I could look at it and say, and I was rigorous, uh, as I followed his lifestyle changes, uh, it took about eight months, but I'm, he saved my life, you know? Yeah. He's saying,
2: and then and then since then, I'm sure you've done even more modifications and more optimization. It's never ending.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. So,
2: yeah, you know,
1: along those lines, what are some of the I would say? What are some of the most common things uh, that you find uh, people you know need to modify in their diet, or or the modifications that oftentimes lead to uh, successful. Uh, improvements.
2: Um, so I have I have a bit of a, a method, right? The new method, and um, I created a structure because there's it, coming from the space of conventional medicine, there's if a, a, I need a structure, right? I need there to be some trackability and and a plan. And of course, it, it gets customized, which is very different than allopathic. But there has to be something that we start with. So the first part of it, I have to say, as I mentioned, is is the software. There's the software that we use. And that's really really important because we have to track that. We track that monthly, and then every single so you time, take
0: some measurements. Here's where we are today, and then
2: the the patient fills out the form. Right. How's your headache? How's your how's the ringing in your ears? How's this? It's the same form each time, and they don't see the results from last time, so they come to it fresh, which is great. It keeps both sides. Like if things got worse, I have to help figure it out. Things got better. It's it's great, and then it, we graph it. And then we can also kind of, oh, everything got better except the headache. So now we know, okay, maybe it wasn't this intervention. Maybe it's time to do a different intervention. Um, Did we lose Dr. Avadia? Does that happened?
0: Nope. His his screen just went away, but he's still okay.
2: here. <laughs> um, so the very first thing that I do is I change nutrition first. The reason I say that is because there are a lot of tests out there. There are so many tests. There's mold testers, hormone testers, there's stool tests, there's food sensitivity tests, and you can really get lost in the world of tests. And also you can have a lot of positives, but they're not necessarily the thing that's bothering you. You'd be positive for lead and then some you know, dysbiosis and your hormones could be off and all this is happening, but which one do you go to first? So the method is always, and I and I also put this in my book because for people to, to start on their own, the method is always... Let's start with a standard American diet. Let's start with healing the belly. So I start off rather restricted with the intent for that to be short term, not forever. So I eliminate grains, dairy um, grains. So that automatically includes gluten because I don't think it's enough to go gluten-free because you could eat gluten-free Oreos. That's a problem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, there's gluten-free Oreos? <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. So dairy-free, grain-free, temporarily dairy-free, grain-free legume-free, because there's a lot of cross Um, Starch, starchy vegetables for a while off of that. Um, and for most people, as we start, there is, believe it or not, a segment of population that has to go even stricter for AIP, right? I'm sure you've heard autoimmune protocol where they also eliminate nuts and eggs if they're really like super flare. So you start there and you hang tight for like, and we do minimal supplements, nothing crazy, some NAC, multivitamins, just basics. You don't want to walk out with 4,000 things. Um, because it's not a supplement game. It can't be a supplement game. <laughs> so um, and you hang tight for like 30 days and then you do a check-in. If in 30 days almost all their symptoms went away, well, then you won the game, and now you're just like tweaking a little bit and you can slowly start, you know, repairing the belly, reintroducing, awesome. If in 30 days 50% got better and the patient's really compliant depending on what the, what symptoms are left, you'll know where to go next. Like if their belly's still a mess. Okay. Maybe now it's time for stool testing. You know, if something, you know, I just had a patient, she was super, super compliant. Her chief complaint was psoriasis. She had fertility issues. She had a lot of endometriosis, but like month three, she had lost weight. Everything's looking great. But there was like one area of psoriasis that really was not budging no matter what we did. This is a patient that definitely requires food sensitivity testing because there's something that we still left on her plate that's still irritating her. Because every all the rest of the psoriasis like responded right. In fact, we discovered it was avocados. I would never have told her to come off avocados. It's a superfood, right? Remove the avocados. Imagine. So you always kind of want to clear clear the weeds first, and then you can kind of see what's next. So nutrition has to be first. Now every once in a while, I do get a patient who's. Super, super, super clean. So I'm obviously going to leave that alone and start working in other areas. But generally speaking, you have to start there because that's the thing you're putting in all day long. It's like it's like putting in toxins all day and then like worrying about I don't know some, something that's not top of mind.
0: And yeah, I've I, I got the wrong size shoes. Well, you could stop <laughs> eating poison.
2: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right.
0: Oh my lord, um, do you have a do you have self selecting patients? What do you mean by that? Um, We've talked to a lot of frontline practitioners who have had the same revelation that you had. And they fairly regularly say that when they changed the way they practiced medicine, the types of patients who came to them changed as well. They tended to get people who were a lot more inclined to want to fix the to get to the root of the problem and fix it rather than just take a pill and make the make the symptom go away.
2: For sure. I mean, I still have both practices. So I only spend one day a week at this point in my primary care practice because I have some patients who have been me from day one. And so I love seeing them. But it's it's run by other NPs who are comfortable in conventional medicine. Um, So that, and they all know, because I'm in my social media, like there's a lot of, and so they all know that in the same building, I practice this and they're not coming. So they're happy here. They're happy coming every three months for their medication and they're, and good. I'm glad that they're compliant and at least we're managing it. And, and no judgment, like at least this is happening, right? At least we're not walking around with blood pressure out of control. At least we're doing the things that we can here. but they're not coming. And they all know I do this, especially locally. Like everyone knows what I do. So, and the people who are coming at this point are not even just local. Like it's a national and they are finding me. And they're coming from all different. So yes, they're like, they're like finding me from places I didn't even know existed in the country. And they're just like, Oh my God, we've been searching for this. So 100%. Uh, if that's what self-selected means, then yes, that is, that is where it's at.
0: Um, is there a particular type of person who, who ends up with you? And I'm asking that question because Dr. lady has got a big audience here. And um and we talk to a lot of frontline caregivers, um, many of whom will, will serve folks anywhere in the country. So, what I'm asking now is, is somebody's listening and they're they're, they're asking themselves, "Is this the right physician to help me? Hmm. Who is that? Who's that right patient for you?"
2: Okay, that's a great question. Um, so, <laughs> almost everyone. <laughs> almost everyone, because there's always something that we could do. So who's the right person? I would say, generally speaking, there's two categories that I mentioned earlier. The patient who is not feeling optimal has been to a thousand places and is either told there's nothing wrong with you or some version of it's in your head, right? It's in your head could be as direct as it's in your head to take a medication or subtly like well what do you expect your stress what do you expect you your 50 what do you expect right so that's still a subtle way of saying it's in your head yeah so there's and but they know that they remember a time when they felt better it's like why is this happening right so that's one group and then the other group are people who are already have a diagnosis a lot of them are autoimmune Hashimoto's uh, PCOS Um, A a lot of autoimmune issues, and maybe they are already on some medications, maybe they want to try without medication, and they just want to overall move the needle on their health. Um, And, you know, they don't have to have autoimmune, they could also be diabetic, hypertension. But it's usually, I have to say, most people who have more of a chronic issue that are more ready to make the change. Because there's a lot of normalization around diabetes and hypertension. Not everyone's ready to opt out of that. It's oh really kind of normal God. because everyone, everyone has meds. So is it really so bad? Like this, it, So it, that tends to be a smaller group of people who come and say, I'm diabetic, I have hypertension, I want to be off those meds. They usually have something else that makes them come to me.
0: I will, I want to highlight that. There are people, there's a lot of Americans out there who have a diabetes diagnosis, a hypertension diagnosis, they are whoa quote unquote <laughs> managing it yep. with medicine, with with medication. And the conventional view is, oh, that's perfectly normal. You're fine. Yes. And Dr. E and I know Dr. Ovedia, you guys would say, eh, that ain't fine. I'm not putting words in your mouth, am I?
1: Yeah. No, certainly not. I mean, and it's something we've uh you know discussed. Previously, and it ends up being a large, you know, large part of my practice. uh, You know that people come to me for their heart disease, uh, and we end up fixing their diabetes and their high blood pressure. You know, uh, while we're lowering their risk or managing their heart disease, uh, something that, quite frankly, and and I admit this, and I have admitted this, you know, for the first fifteen years of my career. I didn't think diabetes or high blood pressure were reversible either. They're lifelong chronic <laughs> conditions, is what we're told, uh, is how we're educated, and so I didn't know it until I knew it. And uh, you know, like uh, Doctor E has been saying, it's not that doctors are evil; it's just that we don't know what we don't know.
2: That's exactly right. And Doctor Vadia, don't you know a lot of colleagues who are on medication who we oh, think yeah. this is fine? Yeah. I so think it's fine. Um it's very normalized to be in your 50s and to have one or two pills and and for that and as long as your A1C is fine and your blood pressure is fine you they feel like they're in control and they can continue eating whatever um and it's fascinating. It's it's fascinating to see I have colleagues who completely think it's normal.
0: Yeah. So as I understand it um under the heading of autoimmune disease is a whole host of diagnoses. Um I have been running into people who've been gotten who've been given a diagnosis of Hashimoto's. It seems the last 10 years everywhere. I don't know if there's a rise in Hashimoto's or it's, you know, I bought a red pickup truck and now everywhere I see red pickup <laughs> trucks. But one way or another, I'm I've become more aware of it. Um and and under this with all these different types of autoimmune diseases is it it, it is there a fundamentally a single root cause or a collection of, of root causes that will make all of these things basically make your body heal itself i don't know if i'm asking that question right but i think you get where
2: where yeah i, I mean at. i do i i i think I mean, you're right on the the one hand, it feels like we're surrounded by because it's what we do, right? You're on these, you're on these uh, podcasts. And so you're surrounded by it. And we do tend to see people who are sicker because they're coming in our way, but the numbers also speak for themselves. And truthfully, there are more cases in the world and in America. And part of it is because the whole system is constantly under assault. It's like, just, you know, and I, I'm not trying to be like overly, you know, like doomsday, but we were just not, we weren't designed to filter as many things that we're being asked to filter from in all directions, right? So we're focused on the standard American diet, which is, you know, I'm saying American, but it's worldwide at this point, you know, it's super processed, you know, doesn't have a lot of nutrition, calorie dense, high fructose dense, chemical dense to preserve freshness. Like it has a lot of stuff. So we're taking it in that way. Everything has to smell good everywhere you go. That's an assault. Like we weren't meant to have like scented everything. And again I want to say if you come to my house, I have a scented candle. So I'm I'm not saying don't do it necessarily, but I'm just saying there's an assault in every direction, right? You have scented candles everywhere. Your water is full of things, your air is full of things, your clothes are full of things. The plastics that we need to stay alive in our IVs and our infusions and our catheters is like we just weren't designed to filter all this. So like we didn't evolve as quickly as an organism as the industry did. And so we are Mm. asked to filter all these things and the immune system is on overload. I mean, we're seeing kids younger and younger with allergies, more and more asthmatics, more and more eczema, more and more IBS, AKA my stomach can't handle it. We're on Mm. overload, we're on overload. So, um, you know, I say the nutrition to start with because honestly, it's a thing that is the most ubiquitous. And it's easiest to control, it'd be harder for me to control your environment, what you're exposed to. So if at the end, right, if I, back to this, like if I clear all of your nutrition and you're still unwell and we have to go into environment, did you just have a renovation in your house? Are you living in a moldy house? That's so much harder to manage, but that also could be there. So so the point, the point is, is just, it's a lot to ask your system to handle causing inflammation. The root cause is inflammation. What causes the inflammation is are all these things that we're just assaulting the body with. So the 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 game is to find out what's causing the inflammation, calm down the inflammation. And Dr. Avi, I know since you're a cholesterol man and a, and you statin man that you know it's all about inflammation at this point. Not that you're a fan of statins, I don't know, but that you know that statins really an inflammation game and not really a right. So inflammation is at the heart of it. And our job as detective, a as functional medicine detective is to figure out what's causing the inflammation.
1: Yeah, no, I think you said that very well, that inflammation is the root cause. And, you know, it's really a matter of figuring out what's causing the inflammation. What, um, I guess the question would then be... You, know, I, 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 well, you blew past that way too fast, Phil. Remember your question.
0: It was your question. No, no, you said inflammation is the root cause
2: yeah
0: yeah. and audience inflammation yeah. is the root cause I realize I'm the least qualified person here to say this but we can't just
1: blow by that guys it is yeah I mean it, it is at the root cause of you know the majority of chronic diseases that we face today and it's heart disease that I treat every day and it's alzheimer's disease and and mm. its diabetes and it's many forms of cancer and everything else uh, and i think that's what more and more of uh you know and it's interesting you know whether you look at the the functional medicine space or you look at the you know metabolic health you know space that uh you know i i i would say i'm more in uh you know it 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 all leads you to the same place uh which is really what's most interesting about this and um, you, you just keep coming back to inflammation. So my question for you Rudy, is, uh, you know, we talk all about diet and, and diet is largely my focus as well, you know, uh, diet and lifestyle. But, you know, how much is not diet? How often would you say it is that you, you know, you, you do all the changes, you, you, you know, you take the second step, you do the testing, you find out specifically what in the diet it might be for that person and then you're still not better and now you have to start looking at the other stuff
2: I would have to say it's a smaller percentage of my patient and the reason is because let's just say let's just say it's mold or lime kind of threw you over the edge nonetheless who you are as a host prior to that lime will help you recover from that lime right so, so let's just take Lyme because like ever since I had Lyme, it's been like this. True. But how come Joe Schmo, who has Lyme, he's fine and he's camping and he's getting Lyme again and again and again. I have 90-year-olds who are have been positive Lyme forever and they're fine. So so who are you as a host that helps you contend with this Lyme, contend with the COVID, contend with the mold is really important. And so for most people, even though there are other things at play, once we fix their, their, the nutritional component and their belly, many of them now are strong enough to recover from the, uh, from the last assault, right? And I say the last assault because people will say ever since X. So whatever that X is, a lot of times we don't necessarily have to sh- totally address X if we can make you strong enough to manage it. And sometimes we do, sometimes we do need to do a little bit more with Lyme. We do need to do like mold remediation, But now you have a host that can handle the treatment because like to do molar, like any of these remediations, if you do it holistically, it's a lot of herbs, it's binders, it's hard on the belly. So Mm. we can't do that on top of right. The inflamed system. So I would say it, as we clear the weeds, it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And then, yes, of course, I have those patients and those patients have to be even more committed because their progress is so slow. I had one patient that, I mean, we, clean as could be, there was nothing left to remove from her. Mm -hmm. And really the conversation with her is just that her belly at this point was so, right? So there's, this is not my R's, it's functional medicine, right? There's remove, there's repair, there's replace, there's re-inoculate, there's reintroduced. Four or five R's, Institute of Functional Medicine, I didn't create it. So the removal Mm -hmm. part for most people, once we remove it, they start feeling better. With her, the repair- Took so long. What I mean by that, I mean, I couldn't give her supplements. Every time I gave her supplements, it set her back. You know, her stomach would be back. She'd have it flare up. This is somebody mm. that for months, all we could do was a few drops of vitamin A. We did that for a while. And then eventually we got to vitamin A and um, short chain fatty acids like once a week because two times a week was too much. So there are some people where you have to move very, very slow, um, but I would say, in my practice, now, if you go to another practice that only deals with the sickest of the sick, they're going to say 100% to other people like that. But in my practice, it's a smaller percentage that re- that require additional testing and more of like a figure out what's next.
0: There's a there's a poster on the wall of my doctor's office. I was just trying to find, I took a photo of it because it was so so cool. It's a pyramid. And I uh, wish I could remember what it's called because I put it in the show notes but it's basically how how health is built and at the very tippy top of the pyramid the the, the is the uh, interventional medicine drugs and surgery Um, and you work your way down and at the at the foundation is is I think they call it like the t- the the <laughs> the word I keep thinking of is terroir, like what the, the ground that, that grapes grow in. What is what is the ground of your health? That What is the ground your health is growing in? And my doctor is constantly looking at what's the ground like. If we can get the soil right, if we can get the, the, the stuff that everything else comes from, if we can get that right, the rest of it will likely take care of itself. Um, and that's such a different model of medicine for me. Like I say, I've been seeing this guy for 17 years and he refuses to even use the terminology of, of Western medicine. Um, he just, he, he doesn't do diagnoses. He doesn't say you've got this sickness. He just is saying, well, right now your body says you don't need to be eating dairy.
2: Hmm. You know, exactly right. um, <laughs> people ask me you know, how, how long is it going to take or what's next? I'm like, I have no idea. I'm going to start here. And then you're your body's going to tell me if this worked or not. I have no idea. I have a, I have a structure that I try to, but what if I start this and like none of this worked, right? So we have to wait for your body to tell us what's next, what worked, what didn't work. Um, so your, your, your body doesn't want this right now is really good. I, I do. I do want to say if I may, that I know I've focused a lot of nutrition, standard American diet, but just as important is sleep.
0: Ooh.
2: We're not sleeping. You could be eating gluten-free ice for the rest of your life. If you're sleeping an hour at night, it's it's not going to work
0: out for you. Okay. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> gluten-free ice.
2: Because <laughs> sleep, you know, lack of sleep is causative for dementia. Uh, if you're not sleeping, there are certain processes in your body that are not happening and you need them to happen, right? So there's a lot of metabolic waste that has a very metabolically active area and it has to drain, it has to process. Um, it's the only time that growth hormone as adults is released is when we're sleeping. This has to, you have to sleep. You have to prioritize sleep. That so- up, I'm
0: sorry. So w- w- the growth hormone is released when you sleep. If you're not getting sleep, you, the growth hormone is not. It, so as a, as an adult, what do I need growth hormone for? I'm growing. It's,
2: it's, it's repair. It's repairing. It has other uses. Great question. It's repairing. So you need time to repair. You need, you have to shut the computer down a little bit <laughs> and, let it, and let it repair. Um, there are certain things that have to happen to your brain at night. And if you're not sleeping, it doesn't happen. It's, it doesn't have the opportunity to get rid of waste. There's a cleanup system, it's called a like lymphatic drainage system. There's a there's a whole sanitation department that comes out at night. Um, there's things that have to happen at night that if you are skipping it for the sake of your productivity, for the sake of your phone, for the sake of whatever, um you are not going to optimize your health without it. I don't care how well you eat or how well you exercise. This is a critical piece. It has to be, it's not after nutrition. It's like here. Um, it's, same it's in the same,
0: same time. They, same, yeah, same get time. The, the nutrition and the sleep, right?
2: Yeah, and so we always talk about optimizing sleep. And now a lot of times when we fix nutrition, sleep gets optimized. Why? A lot of people, bowl of pasta, glass of wine, nice dinner. They get sleepy. They think this is great. I'm going to go to sleep two, three hours later, they're awake, heart palpitations, they're sleeping, nightmares, sweating. Oh, I don't know, it must be my menopause. No, it's your wine and your pasta, right? So so a lot of times fixing the nutrition fixes the sleep. A lot of times distancing your last meal from when you go to sleep by at least three hours can also help it. Making sure your last meal is not carb heavy. So a lot of times that fixes it. But then sometimes, no, I certainly have patients where everything's perfect. They're not sleeping. So now let's talk. Now is a good time for a supplement game. Maybe we need to give melatonin and some, you know, L-theanine. So there's some things that you might want to give, but you have to find what's going on. Is it too hot in your room? Is it too cold? Is your partner listening to the TV and you never realize it's bothering you? Are you really worried about your kids coming home? Maybe you need a white noise maker, whatever it takes to get your sleep. We have to have that conversation. Super important. Um,
1: Are you a, you're a big fan of sleep trackers. Like, do you think this is something we need to measure or people should just know I, I sleep well, or I don't sleep well.
2: You know, I'm not a fan of sleep trackers because I feel it creates a learned behavior.
0: <laughs> right. Explain, <laughs> unpack people,
2: that. Like, people say to me, I wake up every day at three 30. How the hell do you know you wake up every day at three 30? Cause you get up and you check. So now your brain is ready to wake up at 3.30 tomorrow. You've to learn behavior. There's, so there's, sleep is, is multifactorial, right? There's the food I described, there's melatonin I described, there's, there's, you know, the phone, but then there's also learned behaviors. You, you, like why 3.30 every time? Because you're almost used to getting it to, 3, to 3.30. So now sleep trackers, there's, it sets an expectations. I have some patients i I've actually telling them me, please take take it away. Like just have your alarm clock on the other side. Don't look at it. Put your alarm clock on the other side of the room take it away take the sleep tracker off they have the worst night's sleep for the first week because they're like so anxious well what time is it how do I know what time it is like there's so much anxiety happening there so I I found that it has that if you're sleeping well and you're tracking it doesn't bother you and you just want the information great but I think if you have insomnia I I have never seen it actually help it creates <laughs> it creates anxiety around it um what do you think about it
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really not a huge fan of them either. I I think that uh, you know, first of all, I think the data is all over the place. You know, even when you look at what should be a simple measurement, you know, HRV, and you know, depending on what device you're using, and it's going to report it a different way, and you know, it becomes that self- like people wake up and they say, oh, look, my HRV is low, so I'm going to have a crappy day. You know, and it becomes that kind of self-feeding. Uh, uh self-fulfilling prophecy uh and sleep again it's it's a you know uh, you should be able to answer the question you know do you sleep well or not
2: yeah um, and it's
1: you know it's not really uh it, it's you know it's not the time it's not how long do you sleep i don't know that that's all that useful of a question, you know, if it's extreme one way or the other, it's useful, but uh, you know, is six hours enough, is seven hours enough, is eight hours enough? And it's always, it depends, you know, yes and no, uh, but yeah. you should know when you wake up, basically, do you feel rested or not? And that that's kind of where I start with uh, on the sleep question.
2: Yes. The quality of the sleep and restorative right? Because yeah. as you know, with adrenal fatigue, you can sleep for 10 hours and be exhausted. So the hours right. does not count. And then some people at seven or six are fine if it's a solid and they wake up and they're ready to go. You know. I
0: can actually, I can confirm that. Um, I, I've learned how to kind of self-diagnose what's going on with my adrenal system uh, based on the combination of the amount of sleep and how rested I am. And one of the things I know when I'm an optimal, when when I'm in an optimal health state, I sleep deeper and I don't need as much six and a half, seven hours. I pop out of bed. I'm good for 15, 16, 17 hours. When I start getting depleted, I I've observed that nine, 10, 10 and a half, 11 hours. And I still can't I'm dragging myself around by the collar. Um, I, I it's it's kind of weird that that when I'm healthier, I don't need as much sleep. Is that
2: there's I mean, there's a balance, right? Because you don't want to be like, well, now I need less and less sleep. Early bird gets the worm and that whole myth. So you don't want to be careful to go on the other side. And no, you're not, you're. Yeah, you know, don't be like. Well, I can maybe I could do five and wake up earlier to go work out. Or
0: yeah, I'm past like, that point in life. Yeah. I don't care. But a lot anymore. of
2: people do that. I'm like, please do not for- go sleep for a workout. Yeah, or, you know, do not wake up at four o'clock to get your workout in because it's not. It doesn't work that mm. way. But um, Jocko does. Who's Jocko? Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> the people who know know and otherwise I'm don't. Sorry,
1: those <laughs> who no, know know. So sorry, I know. No. Before we wrap this up, I got a a fun little question for you. You know, so uh, Dr. E, the nurse practitioner from 15 years ago, is is looking at Dr. E (laughs) today. And what's the, what would you say would be the craziest thing, you know, what you would have thought back then was the craziest thing uh, that you now, you know, kind of do every day or integrate into your practice every day?
2: I'm I'm laughing for so many reasons, but I'm gonna stay medical. I'm staying medical. <laughs> Fifteen years ago is a lot of things. Well I yeah.
1: <laughs> that's why I said Dr. E, the nurse practitioner. We're staying
2: medical. <laughs> I had to like I had to like move a lot of things out of my periphery. Um okay. So what is sorry, now ask me that last question. What is what? What am I practicing just yeah, what?
1: what- what do you like do every day now as a practitioner that 15 years ago you would have thought was absolutely crazy or, you know?
2: Um, really take the time to listen. Mm. Um, and I had to create a model that allows it. Right. Cause it, again, not because I didn't want to listen. I thought I was listening. <laughs> I thought I was listening um, for what I needed to hear to make the diagnosis. And also the speed in which I need to see my patients in order to meet certain parameters. Like it's all normalized. It was normalized. It is normalized I have a five to seven minute meeting here. I need to hear, listen for red flags, right? It's about listening to red flags, make sure I don't miss the red flags, make sure I hear everything I need to, for my old carts to document. So it's a different listening. It's, it's Right. And so I, you know, I, I make sure that I did right by the patient and then it's done. I, I sometimes, you know, I do a dis- discovery call to my patients and without any labs, we're talking for an hour. Because I have to hear the whole story from beginning to the end to connect the dots, because no one's connecting the dots because you can't connect the dots in five to seven minutes. And so and and some something that happened at 20 or I just had a patient this morning with what happened to her mom. I'm watching it happen to her and I'm already seeing it in her kid. Like who can have that kind of conversation right here? So time, understanding that there's a different kind of listening, um, mm-hmm. and and then creating a model that can sustain that kind of time needed. So I I never I never saw that coming. Yeah.
0: This is a, a perfect time to uh announce to to talk about contact information because at this point people are saying. <laughs> Okay, I got to know more. What's the best way for people to find out more, Dr. E?
2: Okay, so so the new method, new spelled with a K because you always knew there was a better way. The new method on every platform except for Twitter because I talk too much. So (laughs) website, thenewmethod.com, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, wherever you are, there's a a clickable link. There is a free consultation with my team so you can ask all your questions. You click on the link. You choose a time that works for you. Talk to my team. It costs you nothing. Ask your questions. How much does this cost? What do I get? What? Ask all your questions. And then if you if there is no sales, we do not operate under pressure. I only want people who want to work with me. No one's going to pressure you into anything. If it works for you, then you make a consult with me, and then, and then we take it from there. Um, so you got nothing to lose.
0: Are you limited um, in, in locales where you can help people?
2: A really great question I the new method is separate from my medical practice um, and this allows me to practice not practice to consult and coach anywhere because it is under the umbrella of coaching. I cannot prescribe in your state I can make recommendations which will take to your PCP but the beautiful thing about functional medicine is that I don't need to prescribe right <laughs> So if you are in New York and New Jersey, I can also manage your medication. But if you're not in New York, New Jersey, there is so much that we're going to do. And then I'll make recommendations that you can bring back to your doctor. So so there's no limits. I can can meet you, talk to you wherever you live.
0: Well, as always, we will make sure that information is with links is in the show notes. For those of you who are listening, no point in wrecking the car, trying to write it down. Uh, It'll be
2: there.
0: (laughs) Um, I have, Phil, if you don't mind, I've got two more quick questions that i'm dying to ask what's fascinating to me dr e is what you really haven't talked about um you've said almost nothing about exercise
2: Mm. i'm glad you asked
0: and there's a follow-up question to that but i don't want to get in too deep
2: exercise so let me just say this movement is important but exercise is It has to be done at the right time. So one of the things that I find so annoying is that my well-meaning colleagues, and I used to do the same, is like, well, if you just exercise, you'll be fine. You know, Jack, that with adrenal fatigue, you tell someone to exercise, they can't. They're exhausted. And so all you do by telling them to exercise is you make them feel bad about themselves because they've tried to exercise and everyone said it's going to energize them. And instead, they need a nap. So... Yes, we're going to talk about exercise, but not in the beginning. I first have to make sure that you can get through the day. (laughs) And then usually around month three or four, my patients will come to me and say, guess what I did this weekend? I walked around the park and I didn't need a nap. That's when we're going to talk about exercise. And when we talk about exercise, I'm not going to tell you to go do an hour at the gym. I'm going to say, "What, what was that? Nine minutes? Was nine minutes good for you? Because maybe 10 minutes is too much. I don't know what exercise is for you. Do I want everyone moving? Of course. But I have to first make sure you can move because if moving depletes you, then I'm just sending you back. Mm. So yes, movement is important. It is so I discuss nutrition, sleep, always discuss exercise, I always discuss sleep, and then there's like uh, and and I'm sorry, and stress, right? But exercise while movement is so, so, so important for so many reasons, I can't start there if my patient is depleted.
0: You've just given hope to a lot of people. Oh, no, uh, you have, you've given, you know, 18 years ago, if somebody would have said that to me, I'd have said, oh, please, please, (laughs) please tell me more. Um, And and then you alluded to my follow-up question, which had to do with stress. What I was really thinking of was kind of the non-physical aspects of restoring health i'm thinking more of a spiritual practice um your social connections those kinds of things um and i realize that may be outside your scope of coaching and or practice but it just occurred to me how
2: yeah so i i talk about it all the time and you're right i may not be the one i might i have colleagues that i'll refer you to if we really need to go deep but getting a practice of something some sort of stress relief is really important I'm going to come back to social connections in a minute, but you know, like in the hierarchy of needs, if my patients are in pain and I talk to them about let's meditate, uh, it's I can't. Right. right. So I kind of talk to my. This is why I work with my patients for at least a year because there I have to get you out of the crisis mode of whatever's going on, and then, in my opinion, this is part of the optimization. Okay, we're pain free. We're calming down now. What else Mm. can we do to take us to the next level? Because it's really hard to meditate and deep breathe when you're like, I, you know, like this wah, wah, wah of pain all the time. Mm. Um, Or if you're so worried that maybe something's wrong with you, like it's just really, it's really hard. And most people's anxiety is so high because they're feeling so unwell. And when things start not hurting so much and there's energy again, anxiety comes down and it's a good place to take that. So it is important to me. So what I usually do is I do a check in. Is there anything I need to know? Like, is there a divorce going on? Did you just lose your job? Like, I do need to know that. I need to know the biggies. I ask every time. If everything's status quo, I kind of gauge a patient where they are because if I go too woo-woo too early, <laughs> I'm going to lose them because that's not what they came to me for, right? But it is really important. I personally have a practice every morning to wake up and, and meditate. It doesn't have to be long and journal. But I didn't start that way. It took me years to get here. So I think it's a big jump for a lot of people. Social um, connections, very important. It is so important that I will talk to my patients and say, it's Christmas. I do not want you to be on this diet. I need you to be with your family at the table, enjoying everything that everyone's eating, not being the you know the guy in the corner, again, with the gluten-free ice and not connecting. There's traditions, there's foods that come once a year. Are you going to feel crappy tomorrow? Sure. But what you're gaining from this con- togetherness and the cooking and the eating together is so valuable on the molecular level that we have to have it. So I always encourage that whenever possible, we put it in there. We I do not say at all costs, you must stay on this Christmas birthday be them. No, absolutely not. Because the interconnectedness is really, really important. I'm so glad you asked those questions.
0: Oh, I, you, you just have poured a great big heaping helping of hope into the ears of somebody right now who really needed to hear that.
2: Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot to me.
0: Well, it it means a lot to me that, um, that I get to speak with, with folks coming out of conventional medicine who, who have had their eyes opened and their minds opened and their hearts opened to get out of the, what I call the disease management business and into the healthcare business. Um, And it's all because I get to hang out with Dr. O every week. That's, uh, (laughs) um, but it's a blast for me. Okay. We could go on and on and on because I'm insatiably curious, Phil, but um, you ready to wrap it up?
1: I think this is another great discussion. Uh, so glad we connected and uh, so glad you're out there doing the great work that you're doing.
2: Thank you. I really, really appreciate being here in this forum. It was, it was amazing. Thank you.
0: Yeah, it was It was good for me, too. It was really, really <laughs> good. So, Dr. LeMondre, uh at The New Method. No, is that right?
2: Yeah, the new method,
0: the new, new method.com and on all the places except Twitter, because she doesn't because she talks too much, which means <laughs> I'm dying to get her on Twitter just to enjoy that. All right. Well, this is a stay off my operating table podcast. Uh, go ahead and click on the subscribe button. We drop a new episode every Tuesday and sometimes more often than that. Go to Dr. Phil's uh, Dr. Ovedes. I, I it, It's so easy to call you that. You need a different name. Go to Dr. Ovedia's website at ifixhearts.com and take that uh, metabolic health quiz. It's a good place to kind of get a baseline for where you are and kind of know where to start. And uh, that's it for today. We'll talk to you all next time. Chances are you wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't need to change your life and get healthier. So take action right now. Book a call with Dr. Ovedia's team. One small step in the right direction is all it takes to get started. Contact us at ifixhearts.com slash talk. That's ifixhearts.com slash talk.